Hello. Hi. This is an exciting day. It is. It's the most exciting because spooky season's around the corner. Yes, it is. Or if you're like us, starting July 5th, all spooky season is here. Yeah. <laughs> In full force. And this spooky season, we thought, man, it would be so great to start incorporating some of the other spooky podcasts out there into our feed so that everyone, if you're already caught up on Two Girls, One Ghost, you have some other suggestions from us for some of our favorite podcasts out there that cover ghost stories and weird, interesting parts of the paranormal. Get your spooky fix. Get your spooky fix. So we called upon some spooky podcasters. I did wear this shirt on purpose. Amanda and Santa from Shook Podcast. And then we'll have a couple more podcasts on the show in our encounters in the next couple of weeks. The way we're going to do it is we recorded with Amanda and Santa. They shared their encounters with us. So we'll play those for you now. And then we have some listener stories to share as well at the end. Oh, also, this is, should we say what our podcast is? Oh, and this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. I'm Sabrina. Who wants to go first? I have a story. It's a personal story. Just to be clear. Yes, perfect. Okay, good. That's what we want. Yes. Go first, birthday girl. We want to hear how you're haunted. Okay. Well, I have a number of stories, but this is actually one that I have not told on the podcast. And I don't even know if I've told Amanda all of this tea. Oh, yay. We're like, I feel like we get like a front row seat. Uh, We're the chosen one. It's a TGOG exclusive. So, (laughs) So I'm from Chattanooga, which is kind of known for being a haunted city in some ways. There's the Sheraton Reed House Hotel, which Amanda covered on one of our episodes. Hopefully we're going to stay there at some point soon. That place is haunted. There's also this this legend called Underground Chattanooga, where there's like an underground city, apparently, with like tunnels and old taverns that used to be part of that town. And it's a legend that like some people that work in the bars have confirmed, but they won't let anyone go down there. How convenient. Yeah. Was it from run ru- rum runners sort of like prohibition era or is it just simply? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I'm down to go explore. I want to go down there so bad. Take me. Shall we go spelunking, but like the earth version <laughs> into these tunnels? Let us in the tunnels. But this isn't actually about that. This is about a haunted apartment building that I lived in. So downtown on Macaulay Avenue or off of Macaulay Avenue, there is this building called the Pink Building. And it's just this like, it's it's this pastel pink painted building. It's so old and honestly, very creepy looking from the outside and even creepier on the inside. I fell in love with it the second I started walking around in there. It's like a little creepy Barbie house. Yeah. It's just a creepy apartment building where every apartment is different. There's like studio apartments, one bedroom apartments. And then on the top floor, there's a few two bedroom apartments. They all have their own unique layouts and unique attributes by the landlord. Like he just wanted to make them all like very quirky. That's so fun. But whenever I was touring it for the first time, I noticed that in every outside of every single apartment, there was this little like square window that was like sealed up. And I was like, Jeff, what's that? And he said, oh, that's from when this place used to be an asylum. And that's like the food transfer window. And I was like, 
<laughs> I'll take it. Like, oh my god, no, give me the upper, where do I sign? No. <laughs> yes, yeah, and I, I was like immediately yes, and so because it's just it was such a vibe, and they're like it was creepy, but it was just such a vibe. So I got apartment number eight on the first floor studio. Honestly, my favorite apartment that I've ever had, but some weird things did occur. I really hope that someone because you just gave so many specifics. I really hope. Like someone lives there now, right? So like, I really hope this gets back to them and we get updates and it's like, oh my gosh, I have this happen to me too. Yeah, like definitely, because it wasn't just my apartment that I experienced stuff in. I actually have a little anecdote from one of my neighbors upstairs as well. It was just like everybody had a story in that building. And so yeah. for me, I just experienced a few like little weird things. Like one day that I came home from the thrift store and I had bought this yellow ceramic mug and I left it on my countertop in the kitchen, just sitting on the counter normal. And then I went out, I came home really late. I'm, I was a little bit drunk to be fair. <laughs> um, but when I came home, I noticed that the handle was missing from the mug and it was nowhere. Like it wasn't like laying on the floor as if it had been broken off and it wasn't loose either before I left. And I was just like, what the hell? And I was drunk. So I was like, um, maybe I'm just seeing things. I'm going to go to sleep. And then I woke up the next morning and I still couldn't find the handle of the mug. I looked all over. I looked behind crevices. What? Like, where is the handle to this mug? And it was just gone. That's so strange. Literally, like, months later, I did find it. Just, like, in the floor in the kitchen. Just in the middle of the floor? That yeah. is crazy. You never told me this oh. before. Holy cow. Yeah, that's something that just is literally unexplained. And then also, around that same time, I came home from work one night and... It was like pitch black darkness in the apartment, but I heard something super loud, like max volume on my laptop. And then when I opened the door, the show Supernatural was playing at max volume oh my on God. my freaking laptop <laughs> on my desk. I love that so much. That show's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, but that was so scary. That's a little like on the nose of the spirits. <laughs> it was like the Bloody Mary episode. And one thing about me, I actually have never really watched a lot of that show. And at that time, I was not actively watching that show. So it was like really weird that that popped up on Hulu. And then also around that time, I was experiencing when I was sleeping. I don't know, this might fall under sleep paralysis, but I had two different old women that were just like around my bed. And one of them was like running her hands through my hair and I could feel it. Was it scary or because that to me sounds like almost like a comforting guardian of sorts? It was scary. I was like, okay. I could feel her touching me. What did they look like? Well, the one that was touching me, she had long, very frizzy gray hair. And she was kind of just kind of like hag looking. Old hag. It was giving old hag. I was about to say, maybe it's me from the future. And you're like, I loved that story, Corinne. She was that was so hack. cool. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I could look like that. Maybe she's born with it. <laughs> no. I probably will because my hair is usually extremely frizzy. I kind of feel like that. that is a vibe, though, when you're older. Like, I just kind of want to, like, rock the, like... Yeah. Old granny, frizzy hair. That's, yeah. Just like, lean yeah. into it. Hang yes. loose, like really just swing just, them around. Yeah. yeah. That's actually how this yeah. woman looked. Her boobs were very much free. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I picture it. Unsupported Freedom. breasts. Free the nipple. Yes, please. Please. 
So the other lady, she looked kind of like buttoned up Victorian vibes. But she was older too, and she had gray hair, but she had like an updo. And she was scolding me about my lifestyle choices. I don't remember specifically what she said, but she was just telling me that I was I was being a bad girl, essentially. See? And I was like, I mean, I was <laughs> TBH, but like that was weird. Wow. <laughs> a judgy ghost. I have so many yeah. thoughts, so many questions. Cause at first I'm like, I don't really know what this could be because initially I was thinking, oh, maybe they were ancestors of yours or something like your your great, great grandma's coming maybe. through together to visit you. But they were also very judgy. They also looked very different. Yeah. So it almost makes me wonder if these are like the resident ghosts who are here. And maybe I'm just picturing in the show ghosts, you know, how they like all commune together and they scheme and they have like little alliances. I'm almost picturing this woman who is all buttoned up in Victorian being like, oh, what atrocious behavior. I must interject and yeah. show Santa like the right <laughs> yeah. path or whatever. And then this other woman's like, no, you're going to scare her. I'm coming. I'm coming. And it's like just trying to stroke your hair and make it better. I will say the lady that was messing with my hair, it was not... It was not giving like petting stroking. It was like she was like, Ooh, like doing this in my hair. And it was like, it was like she yeah. was trying to like assault me kind of. Ew. <laughs> oh, so, so scary. Did you experience that more than once or was it just one time? That was the only time I experienced that okay. with, with them. And then um, I also at one point saw this like charge of electricity in the area where my bed is. It was a studio. Everything was very open, but I had this little alcove where my bed was. So from my futon, I saw this little like charge of electricity that almost looked like a lightning bolt over my bed. And like there was no light on or anything in there. Spooky. It was crazy. Interesting. So wild. After that, I did a cleansing of the space and I did not open the windows Oops. when I did that. And so... Mm. That was weird. That was a weird situation. <laughs> Just so you know, if you're going to cleanse your space, however you're going to do that, um, you need to open your windows and let the energy Good out tip. because, yeah, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. pro tip that no one told me when I was 22 doing this. Or else they just go into your mirrors and live there forever. <laughs> No, like I just had like this horrible, like anxiety all night. I couldn't, I literally stayed up all night because the energy was just so like crazy in there. I understand that because I had, I had a moment like that too, when I was younger, where I say, I used sage in this one room before a sleepover. Cause I didn't want the ghost to bother all of us during the sleepover. So I made like a safe room, but I didn't open up the windows. I feel like I just like didn't do it quite well. And instead, Dead, I know I insulted the spirits because I woke up in the middle of the night in this room and on the other side of the entryway, there's just like basically like these shadow figures just uh, like standing yeah. and staring into the room. Like we're not going to cross the threshold, but we know what you did. I've never heard of that. That's horrible. Oh, I forget. They come back to me. Santa yeah, reminded Santa, me of Thank it. you for uh, triggering memory. <laughs> <of that>. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand that because it's like, it's clear what your intentions were, but yeah. now you're all just stuck here I together. Fucked it up though. And so I just like, I was like sweating all night and everything. It was like horrible, but I did, I redid it and then it was okay. Like, I don't know that my cleansing is what did it, but also my granny Carolyn came up to visit and she's very religious and she, um, she used this uh, thing called anointing oil. 
Um, and she used it around my doorway and she also put it on me. Things didn't happen after that either. So it could have been my cleansing. It could have been my Granny Carolyn's anointing oil. I don't know. Mm. Combo. Who knows? But also I have a neighbor who told me that um, the neighbor upstairs, he experienced a ghost actually like really doing something crazy. So he was asleep in his bed, which he also had a similar like bed alcove and then living room in the open space kind of thing. And he had a futon too, a futon that had like a wooden, it was a wooden foundation basically. Um, And so he heard in the night actual footsteps, he said, coming from behind the refrigerator and then heard something jump onto the futon and then it just snapped like the wood oh my snapped God. and he literally <laughs> showed futon? me yeah Holy cow. it was i had a similar futon my my futon was wood like that too and i was like oh my god but he showed me like the freaking splintered wood where it had broken and i was Ew. like okay I, I have like a fun pitch though because <laughs> i like i just think of kids and even like you know i'm trying to like work on healing my inner wounded child and like do like childish things. Like I imagine like jumping from like a bed to a futon as like a fun activity. And then, oops, whoops, I broke it. I hope, I hope that's what happened. But that guy said he had other experiences, (laughs) but I don't remember, but that was the main one where I was like, Oh my God. Was crazy and this was this is in chattanooga chattanooga yeah i don't know the current state of okay. that building but hopefully i mean hopefully it's still apartments because they're always updating things in chattanooga but that was just such an iconic place to live and it was so creepy that i even i made a horror film in the basement there one time <gasps> oh my god i got my landlord to let this me feels do it. very like archive oh, 41 yes. or whatever that move or that uh netflix series was oh, it yeah. feels like that you were basically doing that yeah i want to watch this was, can we watch your short film yes santa please yes. send it i'll find it i'll okay, find it it's horrible it it's horrible <laughs> but um it's definitely <laughs> scary like you can actually see like how creepy that place was it's very much mm-hmm. highlighted and time capsuled in that in that horror short. I so. love this. Yeah. That's a haunt. That's a, that's honestly a lesser known haunted location in Chattanooga. Cause usually people always do talk about the Reed house and talk about underground Chattanooga. And then that South Pittsburgh hotspot hospital outside of Chattanooga. But like, be was your college <laughs> where you met? Yeah. You two met. Um, was that haunted? Frist Hall uh, is supposed to be haunted. <gasps> we studied communication together at UT Chattanooga and there were rumors about that Frist Hall was haunted, although I didn't have yeah. any encounters. I made a horror film in there oh, too. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> that place is spooky. <laughs> I was editing in there until like 3 a.m., 4 a.m. a lot of times, and there was always some shit. And one time I was editing in there and all of the power in the building went out. <gasps> That's horrifying. It was so scary. Oh my God. I had to like run. I grabbed all of my stuff and I ran down the hall and I like called my friend Tanqueray who was at the library and I was like, oh my God. And then also remember the elevator would just 
open and close by itself all the time? Yes, that's the only thing I ever experienced. Going up to the third floor or the fourth floor, I forget which one, there was always something going on with that elevator. The only scary thing that happened to me up there was I was up at the studio on a Saturday. I spent eight hours in the computer lab working on this edit for one of my senior seminar classes or something. And it didn't autosave and the computer crashed and I lost everything and I had a breakdown and it wasn't scary, but it ruined my life for about two days. (laughs) I mean, that's scary (laughs) until today. A different type of scary. I had a lot of those instances too with like stuff crashing and like losing work. Tech problems. Yeah. Maybe it was the frist ghost. If that's the ghost, it's so frustrating. And like Corinne and I talk about this a lot because we say our podcast is haunted and it's not even saying it. Like we very much feel it. But when it's something like our episodes don't record or the audio is all like strange, it's so frustrating because it's like, why are you making our lives more difficult? Like I'd I'd really love- Yeah, we already believe in you. Yeah, I'd really love for you to help me out here rather than make things harder. There's been been multiple- (laughs) There's been multiple times I've been listening to y'all while I'm driving and I'll have the episode downloaded and everything and it'll just turn off like completely. The app will close and I'm like, what's going on? And it's only when I listen to you guys. I don't know. So weird. It's so weird. That's the thing. It's only, (laughs) it does feel like the, the negative tech problems are only our (laughs) podcast. It's not like Spotify or Apple podcasts is having glitches. It's so frustrating. Have you guys experienced now that you talk about this stuff all the time? And I think have lived it before you even started your podcast. Do you guys have more things happen? feelings that there's yeah. stuff around yeah. you, more things happening when we were, about so we more? started planning the podcast long before it came out. And I remember one day I came home from books a million. I actually went out to get Santa and I some ghost books. And when I came home, my mic had been yanked out. My husband was not home. My cats were sleeping soundly upstairs the cord was like flung to the other side of the room. And I don't know, I have no explanation. I think it may have been the cats running over it, but I'm like, what are the spirits trying to tell me here? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Well, you still did it. There was a lot of stuff going on. And then like my... At your house. It creeps me out that your actual mic was touched and moved about. It was scary. That's creepy. But yeah, so what other things have you experienced, Amanda? I actually have a story that takes place partly in Chattanooga, where I'm also from, and down here in Georgia. So let's see. I want to say it was 2012 or 2013. And I had recently graduated, was living um, my first apartment outside of Atlanta. All of my extended family is still up in Chattanooga at this point. And for several months, my my mom's dad, we called him Papa Stevens. Um, he had cancer and he was battling that for a while. I want to say it was esophageal. And I don't know if y'all remember that show, Celebrity Ghost Stories. Have y'all seen that? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was watching this episode and I want to say it was Aaron Carter, rest in peace. And he was talking about how he asked his grandmother to visit him with a candlelight. And so that was fresh on my mind while he was battling cancer. And so I'm just chilling by myself in my apartment. um, And I get the call from my sister, the call we were all waiting for. Papa passed Mm. away. I just wanted to let you know, mom is a complete wreck. And so we can communicate details about the funeral. So I said, heard. 
So I remember grieving. I cried and I was sad and I prayed for my mom and her three sisters that they would all be okay after his death. And I don't know. I just, I was thinking about that celebrity ghost stories episode and I was like, gosh, dang it. For for once in my life, I don't have a candle. So how can I entice, how can I entice (laughs) Papa to come on over here and say hello or goodbye? And so I, I look up, I remember I'm standing in my my kitchen. I'm looking up at the ceiling and I'm like, Papa, if you are here, if you are listening to me in any way, can you please let me know that you're around? Do something with the lights. I was like, I don't have a candle, but can you do something with the lights? And I waited. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, the rest of the day was crappy. Obviously, I was depressed about that. And so (laughs) this is a bad habit of mine, but I passed out on my couch, left all my lights on. My TV was on kitchen light, overhead light, bedroom light, all of it. And around midnight, I had this sensation that something was hovering over me and my eyes snapped open. And I'm not kidding, within two seconds, all the lights went out as soon as I came to. My stove, yeah, me too. My my stove did that. Yeah. I don't know if y'all does it, but my stove. Yeah. When it resets and like my heart is pounding, I'm sitting there in the dark and I'm still kind of in twilight zone in between wakefulness and sleep. And so I'm like, what is going on? This is terrifying because I'm scared of the dark as a 34 year old woman, still terrified. Yeah. And and so I am freaking out. My lights come back on and then it hits me. I'm like, oh my gosh. Was that Papa? And I should note, there was no wind, no hail, no rain. I want to say it was winter time when he passed away. It was just cold outside. And so the next day, I'm freaking out. I asked my neighbor at the apartment complex, hey, did your electricity go out last night? No. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? So a couple days later, I'm riding up to Chattanooga with my sister. And I said, Emily, I have to tell you something, but I don't know if we should say anything to mom because I don't want to upset her and I don't know how she'll take it. But... I'm pretty sure Papa came to me last night. He he turned the electricity off and it came right back on. But that's what I asked him to do. So it has to be him, right? She goes, oh, my God. And she's I think she was driving and her mouth is just agape. And she's like, mom didn't tell you. And I said, what do you mean? She said the moment Papa took his last breath in Chattanooga, the power went out. What the hell? Yeah. Hours prior. And I know y'all believe that time is nonlinear and it's all happening, everything, everywhere, all at once kind of thing. Yeah. That's what I kind of think too. But I just couldn't get over the fact that, ooh, I have chills. There was no reason for that to happen. And so Emily said, yeah, you have to tell mom. Let's wait until everything cools off after the funeral, after the fune. So I told my mom, I said, mom, I have to tell you something, but please don't get mad at me. Um, I'm pretty sure Papa came to see me and I told her what happened and she was like kind of smirking and kind of shaking her head, nodding her head. And I was like, what? She was like, oh, I believe it. I believe it. She said, I know you heard about what happened when he died, but do you want to know what his biggest pet peeve was growing up when we when I was growing up? I said, what's that? She said, if you left the room without turning the light off. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh and to God. be fair, that was his calling. He was a grumpy old man. Like we weren't super close, but I was still sad, and I was just like, wow. "That is so on brand." Because he would be the one to say, "It is right. the electricity. The bill is way too damn high. Let's bring it down." That's what he would say. Yeah, <laughs> running up my lot bill, well, Amanda. What I love as well. I mean, this is such a beautiful story. Like, cause like there's just so many elements that connect it and make it real. 
But the fact that you felt something hovering over you to make you wake up makes me feel like he came and he was he was like, I need you to wake up because I'm about to show you I'm here. Right. And was like in front of you, woke you up so you could experience it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I can't explain what came over me. Like my family, we're all pretty sensitive. Sometimes we just know things and we sense things. I don't know if it's more clairsentience or clairvoyance or clair, whatever, but like I've had instances in my life where I just know something is happening at the moment it's happening. My brother, you're not going to believe this. We were driving to a friend's house one time and we were talking about how crazy it was that Michael Jackson died. And my brother said, yeah, that is so messed up. I wonder who's next. Billy Mays, the OxyClean guy. Next morning on CNN News, Billy Mays, OxyClean, passes away. I was like, that is so, so random. Oh. Like, what? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So I don't know. We're all a little bit weird in my family. <laughs> yeah. A little bit spooky. Right. We're like, you don't entirely understand why you had a thought or why you're making a joke. But just for some reason, it like comes into your mind. And then you that is. Yeah. You guys can tap in. I feel like you, you're super powerful. If, yeah. you, if you harness that, if you t- learn to tap in oh, really yeah. consciously, you could be like, you could work as a as a Ooh. psychic detective. <laughs> the medium that gets called in. That's your new spinoff Please. podcast. The psychic detective. Shook presents psychic detective. Shook medium. <laughs> Goals, honestly. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, it sounds like our next step is to go find the tunnels in Chattanooga. Yeah. And talk to the spirits yeah. there. Because I feel like you two have way more. Corinne, you're very open. I feel like since starting the podcast, I've become a little bit more open and I'm trying to get more in tune with it all. But I also have like kind of put up a wall. So spending more time with people <laughs> like you two who are very open, like let's bring all the walls down. Heck yeah. We'll explore the tunnels. Santa and Amanda and I will hold hands and form a circle and Sabrina will put you in the middle and Charge give you a little up. step stool so you can see and witness and feel while being like charged up in the little yeah. open. Yes. Oh, I love it. Seriously, the circle. South, the south yeah, is so go. haunted. <laughs> and I know the Northeast and I know out West there's stuff too, but the West Coast, but the South, I mean, there's lots of Civil War stuff. Yeah. It's very haunted up in these streets. Yeah. So come to Savannah with us or yeah, something. Yeah, we're going to be there. When this when this comes out, we'll be there in the south at some point, close to close to oh my coming goodness. out. So. Oh my gosh, I can't wait! That's we'll awkward. try to come for yeah. sure if you're doing a show. Yeah, you show us around the south, and then when you guys come up he- my area towards Salem, we'll show you yeah. absolutely. Yes. And you guys have to come on our show sometime too. And we are just so thankful yes. you guys reached out to do this because we love y'all. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing your stories with us. Well, you guys were, yeah, yeah. top of mind. Those girls are haunted. And their backgrounds are amazing. I love their setup so much. I love their backgrounds. I love their clothes. I love their ghost stories. I love them. And we also love all of you, all of our spooky phantoms. And boy, do we have some, some emails to read you. Can I read one? Yes. That I'm of really excited about. Okay. So I feel like I have shared my fascination with body farms. They yeah, they're gross, they're fascinating, they're amazing. I want to give my body to one. Yeah, I just think they're so fascinating. And so when this came into our inbox, I swooped so hard 
It is from our listener, Carrie, and it is called Encounters. I worked at a body farm and I fell into dead lady goo. Oh, <laughs> why? No, a dead lady goo. I mean, I know I pictured jello being the only thing that lives inside of me, but it's still gross to picture the goo. And I'm also thinking of Stranger Things. Was it the second season where there's that like all the goo just kind of morphs into this one giant creature? Oh, yeah. See, that doesn't. Yeah. When you say goo, I did picture Jello. With that, I picture that to me that makes me think of like like tar almost. Yeah. Kind of like you don't want to see how the sausage is made sort of thing with like quite literally you don't want to see how sausage is made. Literally. I don't. I don't. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I have Kitty right now. And she fell asleep sucking on my thumb. <laughs> and she's so cute. My thumb is in her mouth. Oh my gosh. So adorable. So cute. Okay. So yes, this is from Carrie. Please enjoy my personal encounter with dead lady goo. Sorry, it's graphic, um, but I'm going to try to be as respectful of the dead as much as possible. My name is Carrie and I live in the Appalachian. That's Appalachian. Okay. Appalachian. Appalachian. Appalachian She's Mountains. In, she must be from the South. Carrie's from North the South. North Carolina. Then. Appalachian Mountains, baby. I went to college at Western Carolina University and majored in forensic anthropology and criminal justice. WCU has the second ever body farm in the country, and I was lucky enough to take classes there and work there my senior year as an intern. The body farm at WCU is referred to as Forensic Osteology Research Station, Forest. It's similar to the first and famous body farm at the University of Tennessee in that donors are laid to rest out in the open forest in order to study the process of decomposition in outdoor environments. At the forest, donors and or their families have the option to visit the facility and pick out a particular spot, what clothing they wish to wear or not wear anything, and even which direction they would like to face. One donor's wife wanted her husband to face the sunrise every morning. Oh, my heart. She literally wrote That's my so heart. so sweet. It's so sweet. Oh, my heart. It is so sweet. The forest is deep in the mountains, far away from campus and houses. It is a square of totally undisturbed wilderness surrounded on all sides and top and bottom by wire fencing, as well as a very tall wooden privacy fence. The 360 degree fencing prevents scavenging by larger animals and birds. My job as an intern was to assist with the classes held there and to collect insect samples, and photos of the process of decomposition. Now to the goo part. One hot summer evening, myself and two other interns go out to the facility just before sundown. Turkey vultures flock in the trees above, begrudgingly watching our every move, hissing and grunting. We enter the forest and split up. Our job is to empty the insect traps located around each of the donors. These insects are vital to pathologists in assessing the time of death. We also took pictures from many different angles and documented any major changes or progression in decomp. The three of us gathered around our last donor, stepping carefully in our boots on the soft ground from an after shower. This donor was an elderly female laying on her back in a nightgown, facing downhill on a moderate slope. She was one of the more recent donations, so some of her skin was still intact. As I bend down taking photos, the mud below me starts to slide. It was one of those moments where I put both arms straight out to the side and whirl them in big circles, thinking that somehow it will help me from falling face first into this woman. Thank goodness I was able to put one hand down to catch myself before that happened. 
but my hand landed in what I can only describe as goo. Oh, yuck. Uh, A little bit of a trigger warning here. The details of this are a bit, I find very fascinating just in terms of like this whole process and the science of it, but can be disturbing. Got it. You see, this woman's arm and hand had separated at the wrist and her hand had slid down the muddy hill about a foot, leaving a section of goo that my hand inevitably landed in. And I'm sure you're thinking it couldn't have been that bad because I had gloves on. But no, my dumb 20-year-old self didn't think gloves would be necessary since I was only taking photos and not touching anything. Oh. My coworkers and I froze, staring at each other, thinking, holy shit balls, this is no bueno. We are not supposed to touch the donors unless absolutely necessary, which technically I didn't, but still, what are we going to do? I pulled my hand out of the goo. A coworker poured a water bottle on my hand while the other squirted hand sanitizer on it until it was clean enough because we didn't have any other supplies with us. It did not live in a dorm, but a house close enough to campus. So I drove straight home, straight to shower and scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed. I'm sure it was all in my head, but I swore it took days of scrubbing to get the smell off my hand. Well, that's my story. Thanks for reading. Love you, ladies. Bye. Oh my gosh. This does make me wonder, maybe they have the answer to this. Uh, What are the dangers of human decomposition. Like, are there things, are there fungi, different chemical releases that occur around a body in certain conditions that are actually super dangerous for humans to be around or to make contact with? I'm curious about that because obviously it's gross to experience that and no one wants to. I am curious. But I'm curious about like, yeah, how it affects the living. It's weird too, because I feel like when people are I don't know like the right way to say this, but basically like when people are alive, it's kind of the same way that I view my own body. It's like when I, when I'm dead, I don't really care what happens to me that much because I feel like this is such a carcass that I'm, it's a vessel. I'm in, it's a vessel. It's, it's my shell. It's yeah. When I move on, I'm just kind of like slithering out of my snake skin and leaving the rest behind. I'm molting. And so It is interesting for me to hear something like this, because if someone were to tell me someone living had lost their hand and their hand had slid down the hill, I would be about faint. But hearing it with someone who donated their body there, who's been there for a while and whose intention was to leave behind their vessel, their their shell. Yeah, it's a little gross to have the sludge for sure, to have the goo. But I find myself way more fascinated than disgusting. Well, yeah. And I also think just the fact that it is used to help solve future crimes and and understand forensics better, I think is just so fascinating. I'm curious because yes, these people donated their bodies, but like they also probably didn't know to what extent that they would where they would be, what would happen. I wonder if there's paranormal activity at these places, how long after death do their bodies come to the to forest? And then additionally, could you imagine? I'm just picturing, and I'm sure there are signs everywhere, like on all the fencing and stuff saying like, this is forest, whatever. But could you imagine? And this is like a horror story. Like, I feel like this could be a movie. Getting lost in the woods and like climbing, you're, you're like, okay, I don't know which direction to go in. I see that there's a top of a hill up here. I'm going to go up as high as possible to try to see and get a lay of the land. As you're climbing up higher and higher, all of a sudden you see like a fence. You're like, oh, 
interesting. Like, what's this? And you think maybe it's a building, but then you get closer and you see bodies throughout the fencing. Like, what would you think? You'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm about to die. There's some sort of serial killer here. But also like how terribly hidden. Would you, do you think you'll donate your body to the body farm? What do you think you want to do? I actually just had to get, uh, renew my license and I, um, I made sure I checked organ donor. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then the rest of you, what happens yeah, to your. Take me, do whatever. To your skin. Cause you used to want to be buried in like a plot. So are you now oh, being I don't, launched into space? I would love to be, no, I would love to be buried at area 51. I'll tell the government. I'm sure Thank they'll you. allow it. It yeah. was her final wish. I'll put it in my will. Great. I don't know what I would want. I don't think it matters. I think I ultimately just want to be able to haunt. So yeah, similar to you, I don't really <laughs> care what happens to my vessel. But I will say at the same time, while it's just a vessel and maybe no one needs, wants to hear this, but like I like to hear it and I have to remind myself of it every day because there's so much pressure on from society, from the world to like look a certain way, feel a certain way. And like we just judge ourselves and are so hard on ourselves. The fact that we are alive and that these bodies without us actively thinking of how to make our like bodies operate, keep us alive. I mean, that's pure magic. So I hope everyone just takes a second to appreciate the wonders and the beauty that is your body. doesn't matter what you look like. You are alive because of it. It is keeping you here. When I, this is almost like the opposite of what I feel like people other people probably experience or what is recommended. But I feel like when I feel really connected to my body is when I'm the most insecure. But when I pull myself back and completely separate my consciousness from my body, that's when I feel best about my body. Cause I'm like, I am the soul that this life, I get to just walk around and operate these arms and look at the skin and like, look at the way that I get to just move about the space in this life. I feel good then if I think too much about like, this is my body, this is my vessel, this is my my sacred temple. I'm like, well, I should fix it. <laughs> so I, I have to, I have to remove myself. I have to like separate myself into two pieces to have any peace. You know, we're complicated humans. We can't always have, the, that's the beauty of being a human is your thoughts change, your feelings change. Sometimes you just have to step back and remind yourself. Yes. I have a story about a complicated person who had a complicated life and has a complicated reputation, and that is Marilyn Monroe. Oh, I was going to guess Al Capone. Oh, well, I mean, him too. (laughs) They were buddies, weren't they? (laughs) Lots of people. Okay, so this was sent in from Lydia. It's called The Spirit of Marilyn Monroe. Hello, ghostesses. I've been listening to the podcast for a few years now and love the spooks you give. I've submitted stories from me and my family's experiences before, but this story is the spirit of Marilyn Monroe and her brief possession of or otherworldly hold on my mother among her other appearances. Oh. My family originates from a First Nations background. My great-grandfather on my mother's side was a Blackfoot chief and a wonderful carpenter. He worked as a carpenter in the 40s and 50s, and he was very skilled and quite sought after for his woodworking and carpentry across North America. One of my great-grandfather's many high-profile customers was the one and only Marilyn Monroe. He worked for her while she was building an addition onto her house. 
My great-grandfather recalled her being incredibly kind and courteous, especially given the general racial discrimination against First Nations during this time period. He worked in her home for about four months, and when he finished, Marilyn offered him to take something from her home as a memento of the work that he did for her. He decided to take one of the crystal doorknobs that Marilyn had picked out for the furnishings. Upon my grandfather's passing, he gave this doorknob to my mom because she really liked Marilyn Monroe in her teens. This doorknob traveled with her across Canada and into my current family home. It stayed in a glass case on a display shelf downstairs most of my childhood, but I remember wanting to touch it when I was like 13 because I started liking Marilyn Monroe and remembered the story my mom told me about how it was her doorknob. I opened the glass case and picked up the doorknob. A feeling came over me of peacefulness and then a tingling feeling in my hands where the doorknob was resting. I quickly put it back and I run upstairs. Of course, my mom noticed that the case was open and I told her that I touched it. She scolded me and told me that it was very valuable and we need to be careful with it. She dusted it off and she put it back in the case. Over the next year, beginning almost immediately after that day of putting the doorknob back, my mom had a sudden infatuation with 50s and 60s era music, decor, and style. She would even pick up paintings of Marilyn Monroe while out shopping and would decorate the house, multiple rooms, with her photos. There were times when she would reply to us in a soft, high-pitchy voice, similar to Marilyn's, and then she would be talking in her regular voice the next minute. The basement would frequently smell like old cigarette smoke, although no one in our family smoked, and sometimes the radio player would turn on old music by itself, specifically songs by Dion or Dion a 60s music artist. We eventually rearranged the basement and the crystal doorknobs were put back in storage. Once the doorknob went back in storage, my mom's immense interest in Marilyn Monroe discontinued. And the 50s decor was put back and the photos of Marilyn taken down. My mom to this day states that she has no idea why she felt the need to put up photos of Marilyn Monroe or decorate her house in her style. She says it makes no sense to her and the feeling is now and gone entirely. Oh, I'm not too sure what to believe, but I like to think that Marilyn's spirit was awakened by me opening this glass case and that she latched herself onto my mom for a year to live it up for a bit and remember her past before returning to the rest of the spirit world. Or was it her dad? Not Marilyn's dad, like her mom's dad. Oh, her great-grandfather? Her da- yeah, her great-grandfather was the one who decorated and helped put the home. Well, he, he did home some together. woodworking. Sure. Yes. For her at the time. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed and I'll be sure to email with other encounters that I've had in the future. See you on the other side, Lydia. I also love to think that Lydia's mom just when whatever happened, if it is like some possession or some like Marilyn was with her, just started picking up smoking and that's why it started smelling like cigarettes in the basement. (laughs) I also love that if this is Marilyn Monroe's spirit and she's living it up and she's decorating and she's doing all of this. I love that she loved herself so much and loved to see her own image enough, at least in this haunting, that she was like, I'm going to put up photos of me. It's going to feel like my house. There's portraits of me. There's photos of me. And I feel good about this. I feel alive. I feel like I'm here. You know, I love that. And kind of going off the sentiment of like appreciate and value and love your body. Let's all do that. I feel like you're specifically talking to me because I had a breakdown the other day and said I haven't felt pretty in years. Okay. Thanks. I'll I'll take that to heart. You're, no, you're not. 
<laughs> that was the most false. I didn't believe that for a second, Corinne. Nice try. This is why I'm not an actor. That's why I had to quit. I'm so bad. Can I end with one really short one? Yes. Okay, so this is from our listener, Michael, who I'm so sad because Michael bought tickets for one of our live shows, and he's a Patreon donor, but he didn't realize that you have to be 21 to attend the venues. Uh, and so, I know. Some of the venues are 18 and up. Some of them are 21 and up. It's it's venue-specific. Yeah. I wish we could just let everyone in because we have plenty of kids, too. <laughs> I know. Exactly. So listen, but oh, but so he messaged us and was like, will you read my story at least? And I was like got you. Hell yeah. I got you. Okay. So the title of this story is just the alien emoji. Good morning. Good evening. And good night. Hello. This is Michael. Hello, Michael. As you can tell, I can't write a formal <laughs> email, but besides the point, I have a few well, stories Well, this makes to tell. me feel like immediate friends with Michael, yeah, so yeah. I appreciate this style of writing. Besties. I believe I was abducted from aliens or by aliens. Less than a week later, I took my dogs out at night and I saw a dark, hunched-over creature jump from the ground onto the top of a barn. I would say it had to be anywhere from six to seven feet tall. First, one early morning during winter, I went out and waited for the bus and happened to look up and saw a UFO image identical to the UFO emoji, and I saw it. It looked exactly like the emoji. It changed multiple colors while going into the sunrise of the early morning. The next story is not mine, but my grandma's. She has told us multiple times about this story. She has said that when she was a little girl, she was really sick and that the aliens came to visit her. And when they came to visit her, it was like she was never even sick. But she did say that after they left, they left a mark on her body that has never gone away. So aliens follow Michael's family. This last story is uh, my aunt's. One night in Boise, Idaho, my aunt looked out the window and saw a similar dark, hunched-over objects start to run. It disappeared. And she said the only reason she looked for it was because her dogs were going crazy. Uh, That's all I have to say. I hope the government does not make me disappear after this email. Well, Michael, I feel like they have to make us disappear and everyone who listens if if they're trying to get rid of this story because we all know it now and we believe it. And it seems like the aliens will protect you because they're watching you and your family. The government can't get rid of you. You're part of the study. Yeah. They'll be, hopefully, here's my hope. My hope is that aliens out there, if you're listening, you are so strong. You are so capable. You're so fast. Print photos so of you yourself know, out and hang them in your own room. Yeah. Put, Love put, yourself. Put a photo of you on your mirror and give yourself positive affirmations when you wake up aliens. No. What I'm asking them is they, I'm sure, have the knowledge or could access the knowledge. I'm, I'm so intense about this. I literally just spit everywhere. They could access the knowledge of who is a threat of being disappeared. So can't they use their abduction capabilities to save those people? You know, like the hitman comes in or the kidnapper comes in to make someone disappear because of they're, they're telling something that they shouldn't. And then the aliens save them. That would be cool. By abducting them, beaming them into the spaceship. I like that. Yeah, me too. I also love that when Michael saw the UFO and it looked like the Amahuchi, and it was changing colors, all I could think of was, you know how there's like Philips light bulbs and stuff like that, where you can hook it to like an app and on your change. phone yeah. and change the different colors. That's I what like you're picturing. Think they're like choosing different settings. And they're like, let's do a rainbow as we take off today. Someone's <laughs> like, I get the aux cord today. Oh, you had it last time. You can have they're the lights. They're fighting over what color to make it. You can do the lights today. 
I love that. It's like the Eiffel Tower, how they like do different lights and light Mm -hmm. shows and stuff. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you again to Amanda and Santa from Shook Podcasts for joining us and sharing their stories. You can check out Shook anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we love all of you. If you have paranormal encounters, please email us at twogirlsmongoespodcast at gmail.com. Let's be haunted together on the road. Join us on tour. We're in the midst of the tour. No, we're about to go on tour. This is right before we go on tour. Mm -hmm. Um, So join us. 32 cities, 34 shows so far. We might be adding more if we sell out in other cities. um, And one show in Toronto, Canada. We can't wait to see you. Starting September 7th, all the way through the first week of November. So check out our website, twogirlsoneghost.com to grab your tickets. And we love you. And we will see you on the other other side. side. Very spooky.